G'day, folks. It's the coach here. Hope you are all in crab meta. Uh, we're talking Idenath Deepkin. I thought I had a really good line, and then I forgot it. Uh, maybe, maybe being the the mortal human that I am, you would uh, use your aether aether seed to haze me out. Um, I am here with mortally wounded Chris. Um, Chris is. Well, we used to be gaming buddies for years and years and years until you crossed the border. Um, has a great podcast. One of the original podcasters in Australia, mortally wounded with with James as well. But you have picked up the Fishy Boys and we're going to talk third edition introductions, how you're thinking about the army, what have you learnt so far. Um Welcome. Welcome back. I think last time I had you here, you were talking about tree elves. Now we're talking sea elves. Yeah, it's always, it seems to be some kind of elf for me all the time for some reason, even though I don't associate as an elf player. Although I was on the elf bros, so maybe I should. But um, yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's, um, yeah, it's been a while. But um, yeah, I I have picked up the Deakin. I, oh, I probably started them towards the end of second. Um probably just before Broken Realms kind of came out and they got their changes, but I didn't have them playable at that point um, other than just doing a kind of few proxy kind of games. But um, I kind of didn't really, I wasn't really feeling the vibe to do them towards the end of second, I think. Um, so I didn't really touch them too much. And then third came around and they've basically just been the army I've, I've been playing um since the beginning of third, really. So um, yeah, I'm I'm all in, and um, I've been painting my way through them. So yeah, I'm very much excited about Deepkin at the moment. They're an, they're an interesting army because you're now the second oldest battle tome in the game after Nurgle, mm. and it's interesting. Like reading your book, there's a lot of like first edition stuff. You're like, man, it needs to change. But then on the opposite, you're like, when this new battle tome comes, please don't touch it. Don't slanish my army. Like please don't slanish my army. Yeah, we've got a lot of reroll ones um, in the game versus most armies. They're kind of going away. Um, although apparently, Slaves to Darkness Lynch is fine to just keep reroll ones to save. But well, um, I mean, Daughters of Cain has still got it, and they only just got a battle tone before third edition. So um, there's some weird rumors that Daughters of Cain are getting a new book, but like they only just got a book. So maybe rerolls are still going to be in select armies. Yeah, I think there'll be a few where it's okay. And I don't know, in Daughters, I kind of think it's okay, to be honest, because especially the meta, I think if you look at Daughters, they don't actually have anything that's got three-up saves, like anything base with a three-up. Even Marathi's a four-up. And I think in the meta now, that that puts you down a peg. And so I think them keeping reroll ones, and they're not getting it until like the third battle round. Obviously, you can play around that anyway. But third and fourth battle round is not from the start. It doesn't feel too too bad, but yeah, stuff like a whole zinch marked army just all the time getting reroll ones to save, and saves is the big one now. Um, that is strange that that stuck around, but um, Deepkin, it's nice. We've got a lot of reroll ones um, at the moment. You can get it on hits and wounds um, in various builds, which is really good. So you can have them super consistent, which I think I'm I'm really enjoying. Um, but they don't have more wound protection. Um, and I mean, you've just seen all the Stormcast and the Cruel Boys. They are spitting out mortal wounds left, right, and center, which I think they've done because they know that they've increased how good armor saves are in the game as well. And so Deakin have got some really good stuff um, going into third, but then they've obviously got some glaring weaknesses as well. So. 
Yeah, no, they're, they're an interesting faction. And, um, you know, it, it feels like for a long time, you know, they've been fleshed out, you know, it was mostly about, you know, what flavor eels in most part, right? You know, you had your defensive eel, you had your offensive eels, you, you know, you, you, you might have had a different variety of like nines and sixes and threes, but ultimately, most of it was around eels. And, I know towards like late, late second edition, we started to see the turtle come in. You know, we really started to see the value of turtles. We've had war scroll changes to the sharks. Um, Broken Realms of Marathi, for anyone who hasn't seen that book, brought in a whole bunch of new war scrolls, some new abilities like your, um, your deep mare. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions and I'm really curious to understand how you're thinking about 3E. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Chris, by the way, um, Chris is definitely a one of, the, one of the great minds in Australian um, Age of Sigma, always in the top tens. I know he's a bit uncomfortable now, but you are always in the top tens, always doing well, and you're always doing off-meta lists as well. Um, it, this won't be all just like, I don't know, crab meta. Um, no, but we, we're, we're talking very competitively, but... Um, I would expect, you know, if you're if you're listening to this, Chris will have a few curly ones to throw in, and I'll want to know why. Um, I, I'll never forget the the CanCon that you brought corn and you allied in a wizard. Like I just felt dirty. I'm like, how dare you bring a wizard into corn? But um, yeah, there was. I think there was multiple. It was more than just a wizard. It was summoning pink horrors into a corn list and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure corn smited you, but. Let's talk third. Let's 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 unpack third. First off, just you know, high level overview. How have you found Deepkin in third, and what have you found has really worked for you right now? So third, just from an overall perspective, um, like not just Deepkin only. Um, I'm loving the addition. Um, I I was skeptical about all the the tactics and the command point stuff because I'd heard a lot of things like from 40k and. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But I think every time we get skeptical about a change, when it actually happens, it's not as severe as we're expecting or we actually try it and it's it's really cool. Um, I've I've really been enjoying it. There's a few things I think it's added, a, it has added a little bit too much potentially in bloat in terms of heroic actions, the amount you can do in both hero phases, um, things like that. But it, it becomes pretty manageable because 90% of the time it's, I'll just try and get an extra CP. Occasionally, it's, oh, you're trying to kill this guy. I'm going to give myself plus one save for this turn um, and plus one to wound. And then sometimes it's, oh, maybe I want an unbind. But really, it's, I, I want a CP. And so that that's not too challenging to do. Um, the main thing I've found is just it takes longer. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't believe the game is a two-and-a-half-hour game anymore um, for 2K standard points. I genuinely think it's more a three-hour game, um, if, if not more. Um, any tournament... To be honest, I would be wanting to see three hour, if not three hour, 15 rounds at the moment, just for people to get used to it. Because I think more than ever, the introduction of battle tactics means that the start of turn now, people used to complain about Zinch hero phases taking 45 minutes to an hour. And that was the person going, cool, it's my hero phase, I'm going to cast this spell. I'm going to... Now it's, okay, it's my turn let me plan my turn in my head for the next five or 10 minutes to select my battle tactic for the turn. And then everything else I do is gonna be around achieving that battle tactic for the turn because they're so important for scoring. And so I think you do now just sit back and stop for five or 10 minutes um, at the start of the round, unless you've been in a position where you've been able to plan ahead in your opponent's turn and gone, look, as long as this happens, this happens, this happens, I know I'm doing this. Which like with anything, the more you play the game and the more you get used to it, that will happen. 
um, and you'll be able to plan kind of what you're going to do um, or plan a number of scenarios. But sometimes things happen, battle shocks go the wrong way or something changes and you go, oh, what am I actually going to do? That monster's, I was going to do monstrous takeover, but actually they've got something that could redeploy into range and stop you getting it. Like that, And then it's also thinking not just for that turn, but you've then got to go, okay, well, if I do this tactic this turn, it means I can't do it in another turn, which means I'm going to have to try and do these other tactics instead. And so sometimes there's been times where I've been playing and I've gone, this would be an easy tactic now, but it's also an easy tactic for me to get later when I'm not sure when I'll be able to score some of the other ones. And so I just think the start of turn takes a lot longer now. And it's the main thing I think has changed about thinking about the game from second to third is about that tactic more so than like, I need to get on all the objectives. Um, that's the other thing that's changed is objectives are obviously still important. But the number of objectives you need to control, I really don't think is as important anymore. A lot of the time, if you have two objectives, you're okay. Um, because generally it's score one, score two, score more. And so on any of the missions that only have three objectives, if you hold two, you have more. And so I there's a bunch of missions now where I've played them a few times and then gone, do you know what, in hindsight, why am I going for three objectives? And I've stopped doing it because I'm so used to trying to get every objective and being like, well, if I go first, I'll go get that objective. And now I'm going, my army wants to castle. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to ignore one. And so be it. Like, especially if I don't score it, a lot of the time, if you just go put two models on the edge of an objective to take it, you don't actually score any extra points potentially based on how many are there. And then your opponent gets an easy conquer. They just move on to it and take it off you. Whereas if you don't take it, you're not giving them a conquer easily because if you're bunkering down over two and you're controlling your whole army in that defensive bubble straddling two objectives because the balls the board's got smaller so your army can be on objectives and cover a significant amount of them being closer and so i really don't see myself spreading out anywhere near as much as i did and trying to get all the objectives it literally is going am i going to get one two and then can i get more this turn and a lot of the missions you actually can't get more like the vice is almost impossible to get more for the first few turns because they start in the backboard edges and it's like you're not going to get that and then when it moves your opponent's had a turn you're still probably not going to get it and so that one really is a i'm probably not going to get more until battle round three maybe unless you've got an extremely powerful kind of alpha army and you're playing into an easy matchup but you've you've really got to go i'll just have my two the next turn i'll just have my two and then you see how the game progresses um, whereas before, all the missions would have been like, I've got to get on all these objectives now and I need to control them and stuff like that. And that is a and that is a massive change. Like, you know, I'm, I want to unpack all that because you just dropped a massive monologue, but it was a very important one. No, 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 like it was good, right? There's a lot of things you, you said there, right? Because there has been a lot of changes. And I want to unpack in a minute what it means to you as a Deepkin player, right? So let's do some rapid fire questions. First off, the board size changed. Now, you know, that means a lot of things, right? And the first one is it makes things like you're coming in from reserves potentially harder. I say potentially, right? Because there's other factors about to come in. But from a Deepkin point of view, board size changes, what have you found? Yep, no, the, you hit the nail on the head there in terms of if you're gonna take models off with a Soul Scryer and come on from a board edge nine away. I don't actually know if you do it much. Um, I pretty much in all my games and just starting my soul scroll on the table. The couple of times I've left him off, it's when I know I'm going first. So my opponent hasn't had a chance to move. Um, but I, I, all, I don't think I would recommend doing it if you're knowing you're not going first, because 
all it takes is an opponent to move some troops not even that far up the board and because of the board being smaller now them pushing up means when you come on a nine away from them you might as well have just been in your deployment zone because you could actually deep kill so fast anyway you can be closer to them than if you had come on from the board edge the only thing i would say is there's certain things in the game which is basically one of the times i tried it recently like bellacore that's quite prevalent where they want to select key units and, and make you not be able to use them for a turn or potentially two they ca he can't do that to units that aren't on the table and so that's potentially an option for taking your key units that you don't want to get bellacored off and dropping them on especially if it's kind of combat units that want to charge because obviously you're nine away your soul scry makes that charge a six basically so things like you could take the leviathan off the table know that you can bring it on somewhere to give coverage to your troops and then it can probably make a charge be right in your opponent's face um so things like that i it has been a big consideration from the board changing um the other one for deepkin is that you really can basically just deploy defensively in a castle and then with eels quite comfortably make turn one charges onto your opponent's home objectives and and be behind them in fact like i have especially in lists i've been doing where i can run and charge turn one eels go 14 so i can potentially just go 20. you think most missions you're 18 or 22 inches apart at most yeah. if you move 20 inches you you don't even need to move 20 you move 19 because you've got to be three away and then if you get a charge plus three the eels can re-roll you're quite often getting 11 plus inch charges and you just fly over them and you're behind them you're basically on their backboard edge and so it does mean that if your opponent wants to screen you out they have to really like bunker down and put loads of their stuff all together which you can exploit potentially if you want to give away if they've sat back defensively to create this tight bubble you can go well you can't really move forward as much anymore um but it does it just it does give deepkin the ability to kind of be defensive but also know that if someone take, gives them the turn, they can still reach out and hit their opponent turn one. You're noticing as well, like, um, because there are less objectives on the table and, as you mentioned earlier, the incentive to go for more objectives, like, there was times where, like, it'd be five, six, even eight objectives. And, you know, if you want to win the game, you want to score as many of those points, especially where there was combinations, like, you know, I have these two objectives, you'll get bonus VPs you used to have to spread out your force and you'd have to have multiple various threats that could spread out, act independently. But, you you know, you, you're seeing Hero Hammer now. A lot of armies bringing in big hero monsters. And, you know, even, even if they're not unique, you're seeing a lot of that type of high armor monster hero kind of units. But also you're seeing armies not, not spreading out nearly as much, not having as many screens as they used to. And they're probably we call them bubble wrapping or screening essentially you're kind of keeping them as a cohesive force and kind of moving up like what they call the death star or like a bubble right as opposed to what you used to have like you know i'll have some troops and a hero or two troops and a hero or two and then you know they, they go spread out how are you finding that that's working with deepkin you know is that incentivizing certain models are you finding that is playing to particular strengths yeah i think deepkin want to play as a bit of a castle um and a bubble certainly how i've been playing them anyway um there's there's probably 13 to 1500 points that i basically find myself going this is kind of the core of any army i build and this will always go in which is a leviadon an eidolon a soul scryer at least three ish lane but then it's kind of playing around that obviously you're gonna have to fill out your battle line so 
depending on who your general is, you're either going to take more ish lane or you're going to have reavers and thralls, which you didn't see before. But most of that army all wants to be within 12, in my case, 15 of the Leviathan because I will always, the, the mount train I take is always to increase its bubble um, because I found that extra three inches is actually often the, the difference between you getting the buff or you don't. Um, yeah. So you want to stay kind of within 15 inches of that turtle. And then the Eidolon as well goes into that because his buff is plus one to wound wholly within 18. So you basically find that you go central of the objective. So on one with three, I'd be looking to go between two of them rather than on the center of the middle one. Um, I'd often just pick which side I probably want to go, refuse flank style, but the army's quick enough to go across if you wanted to switch. But the Eidolon wholly within 18 of him, the Turtle wholly within 15 of them, eels either side, and then stuff and Soul Scryer in the middle um, is generally how I've kind of been finding that the army wants to play um, in terms of castling up. And so the board getting smaller, the objectives becoming closer and there being less of them, I think benefits Deepkin being able to play in that bubble because 15 inches from that Turtle is, you can go 30 inches wide. And that basically gives you control of the main part of the board that you need to in terms of objectives. So you usually are within your buff auras, um, but you do come into problems. It's it's a different issue if you're playing the Reavers and the Thralls. Um, you can find yourself out of position of command abilities. Um, the Holy within 12s of heroes um, does become an issue because they don't actually have unit champions there. They're a weird army where their core don't gonna, have unit champions. I was going to say that you don't have the elites, which makes it a bit harder. And, and, and I, I want to talk that in a second. But, you know, the, the turtle, in my opinion, uh, and you've obviously, you know, already confirmed it, is perfect for the castle. You know, rewind this to, like, early 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 second edition, you didn't really have that castle build. All of a sudden, you're starting to see the, the turtle being so important to the middle, you know, whether you had offensive or defensive eels, whether you had units of sharks or whatever it was, you know, that turtle was the center, and it's now that's really playing to your strengths. And I was, I was surprised by how generous those auras are now. You know, 18-inch auras, 15-inch auras with the, sh the smaller board size. The turtle's got a larger base. Um, you'll find a lot of your army can fit. And before I talk about like, one of the other big changes I was thinking about, which is kind of, it kind of impacts Deepkin, but it also doesn't, is coherency and reinforcements. And what I mean by that is, one, you know, Deepkin has always sucked with the 32 more bases. Like things like thralls, one of the biggest gripes of most people has been thralls on 32 mils with one inch weapon. Going into, you know, reinforcing your eels to go from three to six to maybe even nine if you're, you've got battle line eels, then brings coherency into, into play. How have you found coherency and the reinforcement stuff playing in? Like, I'm sure you're going to be okay with your four reinforcement points at 2K, but how have you found those two kind of mingling in deep kin? Yeah, the, the, the issue of four has not been a problem for any lists in terms of number of points. That's been fine. Um, the coherency has been generally okay. It's kind of interesting, actually, because people complained about the one-inch reach on thralls before when you could literally just go a model, a model, a model with almost an inch gap between them. And so, like, units at 10, like, to be honest, I think that's fine because on 32s, that covers a big space. You could wrap, you could wrap bases... Um, it was just it 
it's basically always prohibited you kind of running more than tens, like twenties or thirties is where you would struggle. Um, so the, the coherency change I've found for thralls hasn't really stopped me because you can still get them in. You just don't actually go base to base. If you stay about half an inch out, you can stagger and fit them around and still stay um, within an inch of two models. Um, you can play risky and just do triangles on the end as well if you want to string, but you don't you don't really need to. I've generally been finding I put six on the front with like little half inch gaps between them and four behind on the two sides. And then that's pretty short frontage that can go in and it's all coherent and it can all attack. Um, and I, so I've not really found that to be an issue. Um, I did try recently like to do a list with 30 and it just didn't work. Um, I literally just had like 20 guys standing in the back not doing anything. Um, that was partly like opponents unit sizes and and being able to move and not getting big runs and big charges and stuff like that but it most of the time you aren't you aren't going to see the the benefit you're not going to get 20 and you're not going to get 30 in combat for sure um even though i think they on paper they are amazing but i don't think you'll ever be in a situation where you get all 30 into combat um as a wound sink you could maybe do it that way if you want to charge them in let them take a hit first but you're going to lose a lot. And then if you do that, you need to make sure you've got a hero in range to keep them um, immune to battle shock. Um, but otherwise, like Reavers and stuff, I've found good because that's the that's the big unit for me that I think has changed the army from second to third is Reavers um, because of various rules from, um, from third ed. The main one being Unleash Hell. Um, because to be honest, I'd never really looked at Reavers as a battle line option. And then I was like, oh, actually, they do become battle line if you just take basically any of the heroes that's not a king which everyone always did to mm. make the eels battle line um and so the, having a 30 block of them obviously it's using your reinforcement points but i've not found that to be an issue but it means that you get to unleash hell with 30 guys and when they're close range which you will be with unleash hell you're getting 90 shots because of their triple shooting ability at short range and so reavers has been the thing that's really changed how deep can play that they're not that that's a unit of 30 guys that are on 32 mil bases but because it's ranged the coherency thing's really not an issue you just put them in a block of between 10 to 15 wide and it's either two or three ranks deep and they sit behind your screens yeah. and that's easy to keep coherent and so that's really not been a problem um so i i don't think it's too much of an issue for deepkin it's not going to impact the typical what about eels what about just, eels? Because like that was, that was probably the other piece, right? Because the minute you start going over five models, and obviously reinforcing eels once puts you into six, and we start having a few more issues. Does that then disincentivize you from going like units of nine? Or have you found how have you found the six piece? I have never taken a nine. I don't think I ever would take a nine. Um, the reinforcement, uh, the coherency is one reason for that but the other to be honest is just points investment in one place and not being able to string out I, and i think it's excessive um I, I don't see myself ever seeing the tactical advantage of taking a single unit of nine to be honest um because you don't need to mystic shield them um like you can use all out defense on them you get the plus one naturally from a turtle turn one you can be in cover anyway like in terms of their armor saves for Ishlane, I, I just don't see the point um more so i think are too expensive now for in in the context of the army like other armies i know would still love to have a unit like Morsar, but in the context of deepkin and what other units you can get for the points i just don't i don't think Morsar are worth it anymore um 
And so I would never be investing in a unit of nine of them. Um, even three, I've tried and I just drop it. I would just take it and take other things. Um, the six, I have taken multiple times for Ishlane, and I don't think it's a problem because you can, in terms of the coherency, you can basically do what people are calling the bird feet, where you can put two, two essentially you can have four long and then two in the middle. Yeah. And as soon as you lose one model, you don't have to worry about coherency anyway. Um, and so you really don't lose that much in terms of screening capability compared to what you used to um, to lose them. And they can all still fight easily. You just have that one guy in the middle. They can all fight with one inch range. So it's not been an issue. Um, I, I generally don't think the coherency changes have had much impact on Deepkin. Um, certainly from what I've found, um, definitely compared to other armies. Um, I, I think Deepkin are one of the armies is probably fine and not really thinking about it that much, to be honest. Yeah, there's always been like a lot of like, you know, you take one shark or two, you know, units of two sharks. You have a lot of independent characters. You have the turtle, which is by itself, you know, probably at worst, as you've said, you would see a lot of like units of sixes and, and people, you know, sometimes they went units of nine, but I, I used to see a lot of people taking multiple units of six eels, whether it's offensive or defensive eels. Um, so you're probably right, especially, and it's interesting. And, and we'll talk a bit more about your list. We've actually got two lists because um, you've got two different theories you're kind of testing at the moment, but it's interesting to hear that, that Reavers are, are finding a place and, you know, having Unleash Hell, um, obviously all out attack, not obviously not at the same time, but you know, there are different ways, especially with your reroll shenanigans in the um the the tides of death are playing well to your strengths and the board size and the auras and just overall it sounds like you've got a good a, a lot of good things happening and probably one of the reasons why Deepkin survived the meta for such a long time. Like, you know, the book has relatively been unchanged for two editions. Yeah, Deep, Deepkin have always been good, and it was funny. Third came out, and the chats were kind of saying, I think Deepkin are bad for the first time. Like, I, I don't think they're, like, a lot of the chats were like, nah, people are selling their eels. The Morsar had gone up again. They have four-plus base saves on a lot of the stuff. They don't do many mortals. And I was like, oh, I don't know, compared to some of this other stuff coming out. But then looking at it and going, oh, no it was basically the reaver change and seeing how that changed the army and gave you power where you previously didn't have it the eel the eel only lists i think are gone yeah. in terms of in terms of going five and oh even four one i think you'd have to play pretty well now to go four one with like eel only lists um and i just they're not optimal like i think every single deacon list should be taking a turtle um, and that was just that was since Broken Realms Marathi, like that. Changed. I was literally, literally coming out of my mouth was like the minute Broken Realms Marathi came in, rewrote the War Scroll um, for Leviathan, brought in the Leviathan traits. Just I think you, I, I started noticing people bringing in the turtle again. Um, it seemed like it was its time to shine. Yeah, I mean, generally what it did as well in terms of it adding to the defense of units all around it, it really didn't change much on paper but it was a huge change because it it's it used to be stuff wholly within like nine of it or whatever got cover but deepkin naturally get cover in the first battle round and yeah. so cover didn't stack with cover and so it didn't really do anything and then all they did was go okay eight or less wounds which is everything in the army other than the turtle and an eidolon within range of it gets plus one save and so now that stacks with cover 
And so you either in the first turn, basically you deploy your army in this huge bubble around it and everything has got plus two to save in the first battle yeah. round, essentially, um, which is amazing. And then they kind of also made it make your Namati, which people weren't taking much, which is your Thralls and Reavers, hit better. And so any enemy units within range of it, Namati get plus one to hit against them. And its buff is shooting and combat, which is why it's then in third ed played so well into helping the Reavers do the output. Um, and the Eidolon change as well went from being like a nine inch reroll once to wound, I think in combat aura, to an 18 inch plus one to wound shooting and combat. And so that's really good. It's ironically not good for the Eidolon himself because both of his good profiles already wound on twos. So for him, you, you would have preferred his old one to let him wound on two through rolling ones. But for the rest of the army, it's such a multiplier that it's definitely better than it was. Um, and then that Eidolon gaining a five plus after save as well, just made them so much more survivable, um, which has really helped. It's the only thing in the army that comes, well, other than Lotan, that comes with a ward save. Um, yeah. And so a five plus ward save on a 12 wound model, that has got a three up save that heals whenever it charges and always retreats and charges is so good. Um, he's he's really hard to pin down, um, but he has changed in his role because typically the artifact everybody took was the Cloud of Midnight. They put it on the Eidolon. He went up front ahead of the army and went, oh, you've got shooting, not this battle round, and just shut it all down completely and then went in. Um, that doesn't work anymore. And so immediately, as soon as they took that, they, they made that change. Um, which I think was a third ed change um, in the initial FAQs that that Cloud of Midnight doesn't, he doesn't now, if you pop it, he doesn't count as the closest unit. So you can then target the next closest unit for shooting, which essentially makes the point of it um, irrelevant. And so now I've I've basically, that's become one of the new generic artifacts. He's already got a five up ward save, so he's not going to take the, he's not going to take the Amulet of Destiny. And so he's a perfect candidate to become a wizard because they don't really typically Deepkin have never really had any wizards, or maybe one. Um, is, it, like, is, it, is it your soul scryer, or what is it? Is it there? Well, the tide caster would sit at the back. You'd have one spellcaster, and from memory, the eidolon is it the storm or the sea? Whichever one the wizard one is, the like sea. you never, you never saw it on the table. Like it was, like it was bad enough to get the the, the combat focused eidolon on the table. You never saw the wizard one. People think tried it for lols. And for most of it, it was just it just didn't compete in the wizard meta. It was almost like the free uh, the the battle mage on Griffin in Cities of Sigma. It's like yeah, I could take it, but there's just so many other things I could do with those points. And most of the time, it was just eels. Yeah, I think unfortunately, I think the 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 wizard one still doesn't really get a look in. Certainly competitively, it's the more expensive of the two, which baffled me um, when they did the points because the combat one is just better. Like that plus one to wound aura, he fights more. Like the wizard just isn't good enough. He's a two cast wizard and he's okay in a fight and he's decently survivable, but he's got no bonuses to cast. And I think if you're trying to cast, you're playing into Techless, you're playing into Croak, you're playing into this like Nagash, you're playing into very. A lot like, of change. He, he's always been a jack of all trades, but just a, a master of none. Like he never won the wizard battle when there was a wizard on wizard. Like it's just. Yeah, and uh, for the equivalent points, like you look at Arcan the Black, who casts three spells, not two. He's got built in plus two, plus two. 
like he's equally as fast. He's got a ward save. He's got the same three plus save, thirteen. They're, like they're basically similar profile. Arcan probably hits about the same in combat, but he's a much more proficient wizard, and he's cheaper and heals your army. So I just don't think the C stacks up, unfortunately. And you but don't the, want it in combat. Like you don't want. It's not like you know he's got a profile that you want to get it into combat, like like old Manfred, which was you know pick your battles. You just don't. That's a last resort. But um, to to Eldon's question, like, is it a good time to start Deepkin? Absolutely. Um, like well, probably some of the most beautiful models in the game. I absolutely love, um, I love it. And I mean, you've got Krabnos. Like first up, like you have one of the best best models in the game. It is Crab Meta. Forget Kragnos. It's all about Krabnos. Have you thought about including a crab in your Deepkin list? And tell me why the the, the hundred reasons why the answer is yes. So I have run Gotrek in a few Deepkin lists to try him out, and my Gotrek is standing on the crab from the Deepkin Underworlds Warband. So he is he is literally Krabnos. Um, as have I you have seen him. the Have you seen the um, the mashup on Reddit between someone's yeah. got the beard and I think the axe and put it in a crab like the crab's got a beard and it's holding the axe. It's it's glorious. Yeah. But have, have you thought about the Underworlds Warband? Because a lot of the time, uh, the Underworlds Warbands just don't work. Like, they're cool alternative sculpts, but they're just not good synergistic in the army, with, with exceptions. There's a few exceptions, but most of the time, how have you found Krabnos? I haven't used the Underworlds Warband in an actual game. I don't think I would. I think, unfortunately, they fall into 95% of Underworlds Warbands where they don't, they, they don't serve a role. They're just wasting points that you could spend on other things. But, um, yeah, it's... It's not saying that I've really invested that much time into, to be honest. I read the scroll, nothing jumped out at me as being good. The points are usually a bit expensive because it's a hero plus another unit, and it's just not worth it, um, in my opinion, anyway. And so I, I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest. And, I, and often those units are unique as well, so you can't put on generic. You know, like I know in I know my daughter's a cane. I've thought about Lock Morgraith, but I can't put Curse on her or... There's a lot of the time that they become challenging. Three three burning questions before I want to get into your list. Um, and I'm sure the chat is the chat's got a lot of questions. They're all throwing stuff at me. And one of them's already coming from the chat. You mentioned Gotrek. Thoughts on Gotrek in the the meta or in, in Deepkin? Um because I've heard some I've heard some interesting people bringing out lists and using some of the the Deepkin rules to to supercharge him. So maybe get your thoughts first. So yeah, Gotrek has always been one of those things where Dipkin was the best army to put him in because of the fact that it has the Iron Rack Enclave. And basically what that means is that allies, which Gotrek counts as if you put him in, get to use the Tides of Death battle traits. And so that means that you've got cover turn one, you've got run and charge turn two, which is massive on some... That's, the, that's, the, that's the big one because he's only got a movement of four. And then you've got fight first turn three and then retreat and charge turn four which and then obviously is, naturally do double fight as well right he always naturally double fights at the end of combat so it's yeah it's two three four um and don't get me wrong they are great buffs on gotrek um and i have i have tried him i've also played against someone else with gotrek in their list while i was playing deepkin without gotrek um gotrek <clears throat> for like against deepkin is an issue 
Um, he's hard. He's very hard for the army to deal with. Um, basically, that's the Reavers' job, but it relies essentially on Gotrek coming at you, being in range of your Soul Scryer. You curse him in your hero phase, and then you shoot him off. Outside of you being able to position to get a curse and then roll the four up, you can make it three up if there's mystical, etc. But outside of you being able to put a curse on Gotrek and then peppering him with Reavers, I don't think the army kills him or it, it doesn't kill him quick enough to not lose half the army to him anyway. And so he he is an issue against Deakin. Um As I say, I've tried putting him in and basically my experience is Iron Rack is not a good enclave for the rest of the army versus the other options. And so you're basically making 1,600 points of your list worse to make 400 points of it better. You're a one-trick pony. You are literally building this one-trick pony. And I think one um, of the cool things that Deepkin has up your sleeve is you have the movement to avoid him. You can get around him, and compared to some other armies that you know not not as fast, you can move around him and really limit his impact um, if he's coming at you. Yeah, and so I mean, when I played against someone using Deepkin with Gotrek, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Reavers like on the front line because he knows that that's the thing that's gonna kill him because it's weight of dice that takes down Gotrek, and so even even without curse. Potentially, you you should if you get ninety shots into him, I think you can take him out. Um, it takes a little bit more than that, but ninety shots and then a standard shoot will kill Gotrek without curse. Um, so I put them on the front line because I had choice of who goes first. So then my opponent put Gotrek back because he didn't want me to be in range. So then I gave him first turn, knowing Gotrek couldn't get to me. Yeah. And and then you can just move away anyway. And so then his Gotrek just didn't do anything for three turns anyway even though he was in Iron Rack and had run and charge turn two, like, because he deployed him back, because I have the one threat that can deal with him, you have that choice. So you, you can play around him if you come up against him. Um, the reason I did put him in is because Archeon is such a problem for the army, and I genuinely, like, went into a, like, a nightmare rabbit hole for about a week of, I don't know how I deal with Archeon. And so I was like, Gotrek deals with Archeon. But I don't then think the rest of the army is good enough to kind of make up for that. I haven't tried, actually, I think I have tried Gotrek not in Iron Rack, just in the army, but not getting the run and charge. And I think he's too easy to, uh, I did, but it was against like super control Zinch Bellacore, so we didn't get to do anything anyway. It might be okay in others because the board is smaller and you don't, you've generally got enough speed and pressure that you can probably do enough to your opponent, pin them in turn one or so, give Gotrek the time he needs to move up the board onto an objective. After your eels have pinned stuff, then he could go in. So I, I might try him out a little bit more, but I don't think I'll change my conclusion that he's probably not worth it. I think you're, the, list, the list loses a lot of the things that make it strong by not having those 435 points to spend on the other elements you need to make the list work. Yeah, no, I would agree with that assessment because he is a lot of points of points um, involved into your list. You really need to make it work, and I guess it's what's the trade-off in including 
that and do you change your sub allegiance just to make the most of one model when a lot of people are getting smarter now on how to avoid him and they know what he does right often he's in hunters of the heartland people know you know where to kind of deploy and try to bait him around and don't not engage and don't bring in your elite units don't go through sending in your your three or six eels to try to handle gotrek because they've had that experience you can't take him down he's not as easy to kill as what it might seem like i've thrown the, I think I've thrown like witch elves at him, and I think I had about seventy attacks into him, and he 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 survived with like one or two wounds at the end, um, and then like just healed up right. So you know, twenty buffed up witch elves weren't enough. I think thirty to your point with with some, with a few extras is probably is enough, right? So don't engage, keep it away. A couple of others, your your boat your boat placement changed um how has that, has that impacted you much most of the time deep kim deep kim players just put boats in my deployment zone and just try to annoy me i, I don't feel like you've ever really used it to your strengths like have you so found that, that's changed uh yeah the i i don't i don't own any boats that's how rubbish i think they are i think they are the most pointless faction terrain scenery piece in the like game you used to like, I'll never now? forget one game where someone just put two boats in my deployment zone and just blocked me off and made me either go around it or have to, like, walk over. And, like, that is my that is the most experience I've ever had with the boat. Other than that, yeah. it's just this useless piece that I don't think has ever done a mortal wound to me. Might have done an occasional ward save on a six-up. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing people used them for, was they were super annoying and obnoxious. But they were great tactically to do that because you make your opponent walk around them, you control them, and then later on in the game you can get the buffs to get your prayers and stuff off. But now that they have to be in your deployment zone, and because of the garrison rules, like meaning you can't go over them, you can deploy into them, but then if you want to leave them, you don't get to just like use your movement. You have to set up holy within six of it. And Deepkin are too fast for that. You just don't want to get like hamstrung by only being able to move six inches from your boat turn one. Um, so honestly, the only purpose I see of a boat now is putting it at the back of your army if you're going to deploy like your soul scryer and stuff next to it to boost his prayer roll by one. But it's really only going to be for the first turn when you're really just trying to roll a, a bless on a unit that doesn't really matter. And so honestly, I've just saved myself the money. I don't use them. I didn't use them in TTS. I don't think they're worth it. And Honestly, I've got no issue with that. Not all armies have faction terrain. I don't think they need it. I basically just treat Deepkin as an army that doesn't have faction terrain, and it saves me transporting it to tournaments. <laughs> the, the only the only maybe positive that I could think about is um, is having a bit of a distraction for someone to use their monstrous rampage. I mean, should they decide that they really want to destroy your boat as opposed to roar or stomp or their finest hour, not their finest hour, um, uh, Titanic Jewel. Um, I, I mean, but like, again, on the pecking order of monstrous rampages, you know, it's stomp, roar and Titanic Jewel, you know, smash to rubble is so low. Um, yeah. Yeah, if someone wants to smash it, good, good, go for it, go smash it. I don't care, but it's not viable to my deepkin strategy. No, nah, not at all. And it literally is only if somebody has four monsters and they're all in combat, and one of them is by the boat because that's where it needed to be. And you're like, this isn't the one I need to use. One of the other three, sure, smash my boat. I I don't care. But I, I honestly, I I would just rather not take it 
Um, and so I, I haven't, I don't own one. I'm not going to buy one. Um, and oh, no, it, you smashed my boat. How? No, what am I army going to do? Um, two more questions, and I'll get to your list. The first one, and uh, my man always in the chat asking the exact same question is, Sons, how are you going with Sons? Is a Kraken Eater a good choice to bring into your list? To kick that objective to have 35 wounds of pain, it, you know, is it is it a viable option for Deakin? Competitive Deakin, that is. Obviously viable. Anyone could put anything into that list. Um, I'll be honest. I've not really considered Bundo. Um, like, I've looked at his scroll a few times. My general opinion on any of the allied Mega Gargants is their main strength is that they count it as 20 or 30 models on an objective. They don't do that if you take them in other factions. So uh, do I want to spend that many points? Same argument with Gotrek. He impacts the list so much by spending all those points on something that's not Deepkin that fits your synergies. Um, he is another monster, which I think two monsters is probably the sweet spot where I'm thinking in third that you want. Um, and at the moment, I'm only running one Leviathan. I I have a written list with two, have considered it, but often it's at the cost of having no Ishlane or less less Reavers or whatever, and it's a bit too minimal. So I'm still not sure if I would go two Turtles, even though Turtles are great. Um, I think they are very good. Um, I just... I think the ability to have the Ishlane is too big to give up, and so well, I just don't. Up. I don't know what you'd I would. Be... I, I don't know what I would drop to take him. Um, and I, I just don't know if his little tricks. I don't think Deepkin care about kicking their objective. Like other than the one scenario that I reckon people will stop playing because it's basically an auto loss against Gargans. Other than going cool turn one, I'm going to kick this so you can't score four points. I don't really think you care that much about kicking objectives a certain distance. Um, and the pile, like the fight last to be able to do some piling, maybe grab a model and break coherency. <sighs> more and more the game's dropping down to coherency, not really mattering. Like, especially the new Stormcast, Dragon units of two, you're not going to break them for a start anyway. And then you can't break their coherency because there's two of them. I just, I don't think he's worth it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking at your, what, the first list I'm going to bring up of yours, Chris, and, you know, to bring in a Mega Gargan, I'm dropping either nine Ishland Guard, I'm dropping a Turtle, I'm dropping, you know, an Eidolon plus some some something else, and, like, you know, what's better in my army? Some Ishland Guard, Leviadon, or a Mega Gargan? I think absolutely nine out of ten. It's always going to be something native in your book. Um, I don't know if you need that points kind of um, that big block of wounds. I don't think it's, I don't think that's your weakness. So, um, like, like do it if you want to do it. Like, it's a narrative. It's cool. It's fun. Whatever. But competitively, it's. I put it. I put a Gotrek in before I'd put in um, Bundo. Yep. And finally, the meta. How are you finding like Archeon, Marathi, Gotrek? Bellacore, Archeon. I think I've said Archeon twice now. You've but like, how you, twice. I, I think you I could, meant um, I think I meant Bellacore or Alario or whoever. Like insert generic gods here, Nagash here. Teclos. You could probably you could probably say Archeon three times for how much I consider him to be the meta issue right now. Um Marathi, I think's fine. I think Deep Kim would deal with Marathi absolutely fine. Um I think she would be scared. Because turn one, if she charges me, my Reavers will do 
like she'll take three wounds in my turn. She'll get stuck on three plus unrendable eels. Probably won't kill them. So she'll take three, then she'll take three in her turn, then she'll take three, then she'll take three. So I'm not concerned about Marathi in the slightest. Gotrek, I've already said, he's an issue. If you can line up your Reavers against him and get them all in, if you curse him, he goes down and you don't need your whole squad. I've done that at the tournament at Tournba Open recently where I decided to retreat and not shoot my Reavers for a turn because he got into them and I needed to move across the board back to my Soul Scryer. Um, and I wanted to make, even though it was going to make his charge, like it wasn't far enough to get out of his charge because you can't run and retreat. I was like, I need to take these casualties and just not shoot this turn so that he gets in range of the Soul Scryer to have a chance. Um, did that at the time I got Curse off and then I only had, I had 17 out of my 30 Reavers, but 51 shots with Curse did like from zero to 10. He would have taken 10 wounds if he had 10 wounds to take after his armor save and his three plus ward. So that deals with him. Um, Bellacore, he's annoying. There's not a lot you can do about it other than like, say you can take things like the love. I played against Dave Kerr, Bellacore and Archeon in the same list was a, was a was too much of a problem. It was the game I lost at that tournament. Um, Bellacore, I think, on his own, not an issue. You can deal with just not doing a thing for one turn. I in that matchup, I think I would almost always do half of what I did, which is take the Soul Scryer and the Leviathan off the board. But I would leave the Reavers on the board. And that's the mistake I made in that game is I didn't want him to bellicle the Reavers. So I took them off the board as well. In hindsight, you, you leave the Reavers on um, and you just take the turtle off the board because it can still ambush on, make its charge, get in, um, can't be bellicled. It still does its buffs. Um, yeah, and then it's, and, it's, and it's bubbles are passive, right? So even if it, you know, you fail some of the charges, that, that's still a, quite a generous bubble, especially if you extend it from 12 to 15. Yeah. Um, Archaon is the big one because especially now that the Slaves to Darkness Inch mark has been confirmed in the new White Dwarf that it didn't change to get rid of the reroll ones. Um, even with the save stacking, he would have been okay. The army could have dealt with him. Um, it can't deal with him with reroll ones and the save stacking. It could only do it if he if he was on his three plus base save. Um, with his reroll ones, I think the army could take him down. Um, but if he's got Mystic Shield on him, and then he's got like all out defense, best day ever. Uh, you're not, life form, like you, so, you, so, you so, can't, so durable. You can't kill him. So in that scenario, you have to you have to try and just pin him and then ignore it because you can't you can't ignore him because he moves like 12, 14 inches. Char he will he will get to you, and if he touches your reavers, he will blow them up. So you basically have to, and that's why I think the Ishlane is so crucial. You have to pin him with the Ishlane because three plus ignoring Rend, you should be able to hold him for a while. Turns out not as long as I thought. If he's getting all reroll, hits and wounds, like he can go through two units of Ishlane um, in basically a battle round if he charges because you can't get better than a three plus save. If you can somehow control it so that you are the person charging Archaon, then you get a two plus unrendable save with Ishlane when you charge, and they will survive that round long enough to therefore pin him in the next battle round. And then hopefully you go again and you just rinse and repeat, and you're only needing to use one unit at a time and they will survive. But if he comes into you, um, he will go through them. And so you always have to be careful of 
you can't you can't let him double turn you and free himself up to then go into the rest of the army because the rest of the army will fold to him. Um, yeah. I wonder I wonder about the turtle's ability to hold him for a little bit because he can't put a turtle in the sword because it's not a hero. Um, but I still don't know. Like I think he if he's going twice, I think he he'll do enough to make the turtle bracket the first time. And so when it's you say saved. twice, are you talking about Reapers of Vengeance or are you talking about just, just anyway, getting a double turned? Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Reapers or Chaos uh, or a Chaos Lord. Yeah, in okay. Slaves to Darkness, Chaos Lord is pretty common. You just run him up after Archeon, wholly within 12, and then he fights twice. Um, so a turtle, I think I think Archeon would do enough to make the turtle take nine wounds, which brackets it, which makes the turtle save go to a three plus. And so then once it's lost that point, it, he then goes again and his rend is putting you to fives. And I think the turtle would die. And if you lose the turtle, it's such a devastating loss on the army because of because of what it brings. It's plus one save and it's plus one to hit. And it's your monstrous reaction. So it's your access to raw. It's one of the few things that does your mortal wounds. It's battle it's tactics. Big... You score you battle score battle tactics. tactics and you give away a battle tactic yeah. when it dies as well. You lose well sorry, you give away a victory point when it dies. So yeah. um and, and I think you made a good point as well, like having two monsters in your list, then throwing a metamorphosis spell, and that can get you access to some additional um victory points too. And yeah, it's an interesting one, like with the because I, I, the last couple of games I've played against Deepkin, when I pulled down Levidon, you're right. That's when the army collapsed. That's when the sh the sharks and the tur and the and the eels, and even just like you know, even the the reavers hiding in the back, kind of shooting over the the Ishland guard. That's when it all collapses. The minute I can get rid of that turtle, and um, that was ironic because it was actually deadly terrain who actually saved my bacon a few times. Like well, the last game I played, sons. Now I'm gonna. We haven't talked about sons in the meta because then I'm gonna move to your list. How have you found sons with Deepkin? And do you have any strategies on handling sons? Because you don't have the model count, you don't have the monster count, you don't have the wounds. Like you just like how do you I, handle them? I think sons are okay as long as you're not playing um, like border war. Take as long take as you're not a tribe. Oh. As long as you're not playing in the scenario that's one, two, four, because honestly, I think I I think that mission is ninety nine percent of the time the Mega Gargants auto win against almost any army. Um, Let's I, put that I one think, to the side. Let's just go the average. The average in scenario. terms of in terms of taking them down and killing the army, Deepkin one hundred percent can do it. And the issue is they have the issue is Mega Gargants have four plus base saves. Deepkin with the Reavers. And, and to be honest, Ishlay and stuff like that, any army that has a four plus base save, any model unit that's four plus or worse, Deepkin deals with no problem whatsoever. Reavers, weight of dice, people don't realize it, but when you like, you just do all these attacks and they're like, oh, I've got a three plus save. And you're like, yeah, but here's 30 save rolls. Like, you're going to take 10 wounds from that at least. And you just, they don't really see it, but it's like, yeah, this unit. 30, 20, 30 dudes is going to make you take that many save rolls that you're going to take a shed load of wounds. And so that's why them starting on a four plus or worse is so critical because even if they had plus three, all your reaver attacks and ish lane attacks, you're not throwing any rend at them anyway. So the best they can get is plus one. And so every one and every two they roll is is damaging to them. And so that's why any army that re-rolls ones to save or re-roll saves is an issue because a lot of the damage output does come from weight of dice from the reavers but the turtle as well can get stuck in it's got rend one and two can 
it, if it rolls sixes to hit on its bites, it's three mortal wounds, flat six against monsters. So if the turtle goes in, I have done that. I charged a mega gargant, rolled box cars, and just did 12 mortal wounds off the bite. And then Terrorgeist numbers. A couple of the... I have also been terrorgeisted where they rolled three sixes into me and took my turtle off. Um, but into a mega gargant, you can kill them. I turn one with 30 reavers, 10 thralls, and a turtle... I killed a man crusher and a war stomper from full to dead in one turn. And so killing them isn't an issue. And so generally because of that, I think you can then win the missions later on because they want to come to you and they're all they're going to do is stand there. They don't really do a great job at killing eels. So eels, eels are great at pinning them. I've thrown um, a to- lot of attacks. Like I know when I've, had, I've gone up against the Ishlan guard, You've got to throw so many dice with my Mega Gargans. And it's actually the Man Crushers that would do all the damage because they've got, like, you know, each of them has, like, 10 attacks with their club. Uh, and you're just throwing pure weight of dice because everything is based on rend. And if you if you don't, if you you don't save that, you know, that club attack or the headbutt, it's, like, four damage. It's three damage. So when you start removing the rend, and they've got rend two, rend three, mm-hmm. um, you grind me down. And I guess if you can block me off from the objective that – that just stops me from scoring, which means, you know, and if you stop me from charging, there's a lot of cool things you can do. Um, it's just like, don't play to their game. And if you take the man crushers, kill the man crushers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think Gargants are super strong at the moment and a lot of armies are struggling with them. And so I think Deepkin are actually in a pretty good spot against them. I think they're one of the armies that deals with them. Certainly the lists that I'm writing and playing. Um, and to be fair, like, I'm not... I don't. I genuinely don't think I'm like doing anything crazy here or reinventing the wheel massively with these lists. I think most people you would see they would build towards these cores. I think almost every list will take a soul scryer and idol on a turtle and at least three guard, and then you play around with the rest of it in terms of how you want your list to be, um, which is basically what I've got with these two lists. Is pretty much one of the two directions I think you'll go. Um, but yeah, Gargans is generally a good matchup. It's just that one scenario is awful. Um, but I don't really think it's. I don't think it's because Deepkin specifically struggle with it. I think almost any army in the game, you just you just can't win that matchup. So it's not really worth stressing about. If it happens, okay, it happens. And you might find you might find tournament organizers don't run that scenario when they kind of everything kind of settles. Yeah, I think the big change would just be you just say that they can't kick the home objective. And that and that's it. You, that you just in, in that mission, you make like because those two are primary, so they can't be burned. And you just basically say uh, a primary objective can't be kicked by the Kraken Eater. And I think that would solve a lot of the issues. Yeah, it's an interesting change because you obviously can't remove um, you can't remove a primary objective. You know, in turn three. Um, so I brought up your two lists. The first one, and you know, Jonathan um, has asked an interesting question that we can kind of almost answer. You know, as we're talking, he talked about you know the enclaves and you know where you think the enclaves kind of stand. And what's cool is the two lists that you've given me are two different enclaves. The first one being Domhain, the other one was it Futhan? Futhan, yeah, yeah, perfect. So you've, you've gotten like, do you think the, all the do you reckon? Enclaves is a couple of good ones, a couple of hot garbage ones. They're all got a place. Like, where do you think the enclaves kind of stand? I've always thought Futhan was the best from the beginning. Generally, most people seem to go towards Domhain. 
um it's really funny i was writing all these youth analysts and then i started writing dom hain and at the tournament i went to i actually decided to take dom hain instead of Futhan. um for a few reasons dom hain i want i kind of just took a gamble on that people would be leaning into monster meta um because obviously the dom hain benefit is you get to reroll all wound rolls against monsters um but it also just kind of fit with the build i was trying to go for um for that but i think futhan is still the best one but i think futhan and domhain are very similar in how they will play um they both give you access to reroll ones to hit and certain units getting rerolls either of one or rerolls to wound um which is really what you're looking for reroll to wound is massive um any buff, any buff to wound, let alone a reroll to wound, and it's not just reroll ones; it's reroll fail wound rolls, which is, um, which is nasty. But you know, the list that you've given me, the first one um, for anyone who can't see, um, you've gone Domhain, you've gone Predator's Domain, which is a fascinating one. I'll, I'll, I'll want to know why you've done that in a minute. But you've got a Volturnus um, as opposed to your generic um, King. You've got your your, your Soul Scryer. You've got Idol on a Mathland. Good to see the aspect of the Storm flaming weapon through the arcane tome you've also got four units of ishlan guard you've got one unit of, of reavers that's been reinforced and you've got the turtle all wrapped up in a battle regiment for one drop and you've kind of already talked a little bit about why you'd want to go one drop just to be able to choose you know obviously to, to determine you know how you start but what what why uh, why why have you done this like talk to me even like from predator's domain and you know the combination of the flaming weapon through the tome like talk to me about some of these decisions so predator's domain is the one i've basically just decided i'm i'm, I'm taking in pretty much in every deepkin list i write this list i might consider taking um the battle line one keep a battle line unit hold, the line. hold the line hold, hold the line the reason i didn't though is I still would be hesitant to is because of how the army plays. The Ishlane are literally your screens. You are throwing them in. You are never keeping them back. You need them to be doing the work of constantly going in, pinning monsters, pinning units, getting shot. And so I expect them to die. And I don't care when they die. I'm like, you're doing your job. As long as my other stuff isn't dying and you're living long enough for me to do what I need to do. But I expect my Ishlane to die in every game. And so I wouldn't take hold the line whereas predator's domain is basically you get this if you control more object uh, more um terrain, terrain pieces, pieces by the yeah. end. so the army's super quick so generally and generally i was finding at the start that especially with like the few fan flip ties build the alpha potential is so strong that the games I was playing i was like basically tabling my opponent by turn two so it's like, well, I'm definitely, if I'm tabling, going to control more scenery pieces than my opponent. So then there's no requirements for me to be like, I have to keep this guy alive. I have to kill their general. I have to die. It's just, if I'm tabling, I win. But also if I'm not tabling, most of the time, I've they're not going to have many units left. And I'm not going to, like, and I generally will have controlled all the stuff at my back. And then the army pushes into them and so starts taking them off. And because of the, the fact that you get run and charge and retreat and charge you like if you needed to just cross the board and go be like oh i need to go get that objective back late game you just like fly some eels 20 inches and just tow it and you're like cool i've got my grand strategy back again um and so i found that 
I don't think I've really if unless I've literally like I've been tabled and the game's gone horrifically I have always 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 scored my grand strategy with Predator's Domain it's just how it just works with how the army plays yeah it's it's a little bit of it seems like I wonder if people have been put off selecting that because it feels like a bit too much bookkeeping to keep track of who controls the objectives but it's really not hard um unless you played against an army that also was like that was continuous i was gonna teleport. i was gonna say like you don't have like there's not a lot of competitors to you that can do what you do like everyone has a lot of teleports or one or two units can backboard but to have the full speed other than like you know a, a full sky a fire sky 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 fire build or you know there's a couple of particular builds that could be really fast and flying yeah. No one can really match you, especially with your run and you know, your run and charge stuff or being able to re-roll like it's just you're too good. I think new Stormcast Drake builds that are coming in might make me need to rethink this. I still don't know if I rethink based on why there's probably not enough bodies. Like the only problem is there's just not a lot of models. Yeah, I think it just but they're durable. It's just the fact that they all they have to do is fly over, touch it at one point, and then move on. And then you've got to go back and get it. And the army, and it, you only really can go back and get stuff if you've killed your opponent, which most of the time you've killed them by turn four or turn five. And so you can go back and get them. I don't know if you'll do that against the new Stormcast in terms of actually killing them, um, which is where that comment comes from. But I still don't think I would change it, and I still think it's the one I'd be playing for. Um but yeah, and then in terms of the Arcane Tome, Flaming Weapon, Arcane Tome is just the artifact I'm always taking on that Eidolon now. Um, gives me a wizard, but I take Flaming Weapon because I have to select a spell. Most of the time I'm using him to cast Mystic Shield. Um, and most of the time it's on himself, just to get him to a 2-plus save so that the Leviathan is on a 2-plus naturally, puts the Eidolon on a 2-plus. Like, save stacking is a thing in this edition, so I want to be able to cast a Mystic Shield because... I've got, like, so making him a caster, that spell has just gone up in value so much because of rend increasing that unless I'm going to go in and there's a turn where I'm like, okay, his job is that he has to go kill that thing, and so it shouldn't matter about him surviving, that's the time I might decide to cast Flaming Weapon, but 90% of the time he's just casting Mystic Shield. It's probably good to know, especially if you've got like a, a battle tactic or... You know your opponent. Yeah, like if you if you've got a situation where your opponent's going for you, you know your your idolon, or you you find yourself in a in a position where you're going to pull down, like you know, slay the warlord or wherever it might be. At least you've got a tool to get more damage from from that idolon. Yeah, but it's not. It's, it's, have, but it's not. It's not like some mad strategy to like that, that's your like your, your silver bullet. Yeah, yeah. No, I I have used it. Um and. Sometimes that extra bit of damage helps. But, yeah, it's it's a nice tool to have. Like, say, there's nothing in the army revolving around it going off, but it's just it also lets him cast Mystic Shield. So it's just a nice bit of flexibility. See, well, most people would know what a Ishland Guard does, right? They they know it's the defensive eels. They know it ignores Rand. You can get the plus one armor save. And, you know, it's all this good stuff. So I'm not going to ask you, like, what you've done here. I might ask you just maybe two whys. Well, maybe one why and one how. The why would be why have you gone units of three as opposed to reinforcing into units of six? Uh, and then the how would be how do you use the the four units? Um, why and that literally with Cruel Boys just coming out, if I wrote this list again now, I potentially would merge two of those threes into a six just because they've come out with a rule that is 
so specific it's completely unique in terms of um which is the like vanishing the act trick. disappearing act or whatever it's called where they can literally make you remove units from the table from deployment and then you have to put them on in your first movement phase and given the role of Ishlan guard is they sit on your front line they screen your army they absorb all enemy shooting because obviously deepkin's huge thing that we actually haven't talked about that they have always had since the start of their since the start of them being an army is if if an enemy wants to shoot a deepkin unit they have to shoot the closest unit like they don't get to choose oh i'm in range i'm going to shoot that here at the back it's like no 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 you're going to shoot this unit right here these are three plus saves ignoring rend like that's their job and then once they go in and they charge they the great thing about them and their interplay with third is although they are yes a four plus base save they can actually get to a two plus save and saving on twos because they have a rule that when they charge their save characteristic changes to a three they don't get plus one save so when they charge they become a three plus save and so then if they're within range of your turtle they're getting plus one or if you put mystic shield on them or if you go all out defense they then become a two plus save and it's ignoring rend and so they go in units that unleash hell against you as long as they don't do like loads of mortals but even if they do so be it um units that unleash hell against you iron drakes like ishlane laugh at them because they go oh i'm gonna unleash 60 shots at ren 2 and you're like cool i've got two plus ignoring ren saves you're not going to do anything you might kill one or maybe if you get lucky and then you're stuck in combat with me and they are the closest unit you can't pin them so if people because the amazing thing that i've done to a few people i've been explaining recently is that you obviously don't have to unleash hell like people are doing the whole thing where they have a unit just within nine so it's not the thing getting charged so they can selectively choose what unit they want to shoot at doesn't work because you still charge the ish lane in they go i'm not going to shoot them because you haven't tagged me so i'm still free to shoot and i go okay i charge something else in to the side but or you're some... still the closest the ish lane i've already charged is still the closest so now they're like i'm going to shoot and i'm like you can't because the ish lane are closer it's not restricted to just the shooting phase it's anytime someone wants to sh- target them with a shooting attack and so they're just incredible for the interplay with the game because so many people are changing their lists to revolve around oh but if i get charged i just unleash hell and it, it doesn't work it doesn't work against deepkin yeah. if they've got ish lane um unless <laughs> what lightning cannons can just go boom roll the one and do 12 more wounds and kill them of but course the you know like hurricane the hurricanum does you know model wounds but like majority of them have a hit and wound roll but unfortunately yeah but the whole point is that you also don't care that the Ishlane die. Their job is literally just to absorb the stand and shoot. And because you can only unleash hell once, they do their job. Even if that warp lightning cannon takes the whole unit off in one go, the Ishlane have still done their job. As long as, because you're always counter charging. You're never just charging one thing in. You're charging them in, then you're charging in the turtle and the Eidolon and all these other things with it. And so they're just phenomenal into shooting armies. Um, And they always have been. And so they are even more because i think the interesting thing with third and the monster meta is everyone was like monsters 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 and there are some that are still incredible but a lot of the i think strong meta like edging towards the 4150 lists that are coming out are actually not monster heavy and they've got lots of big blocks of shooting units and i think cruel boys are going to do that you're going to start seeing nines double nines potentially double unleashing hell with all the um 
with the Bolt Boys, and then you've got, like I say, Iron Drakes. They love it, other than against Deepkin that ignore their. They just rent. don't have the models. Yeah, like it's it, the Cruel Boys do the models. You know the. Um... Um, but like Sentinels and stuff like that. Um, they yes they do mortals but again it doesn't matter if you get one model in you can normally pin them and then they're stuck anyway um but i think you are going to see you're either going to see monster heavy or you're going to see loads of shooting and so i think deepkin are really good into that shooting meta um they always have been they always will be and i think third is just going to keep leaning into that which is why i do think deepkin is still good but it's why i also think morsar have just gone <clears throat> down the drain because Morsar are a four-up save, they don't ignore rent. If they try and charge something, they are dead. Like from an unleashed hell, like pff, not worth it. You've you've actually just reminded me, um, Lumineth as well, right? You know, you've got the you know big blocks of Sentinels, even like you know some lists are running around with Foxies. Um, do you think the Ishland Guard as well have been really helpful to you know soak up that? Because um, obviously. You know the 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 sentinels want to shoot off that soul scry if they have a chance they want to take out that tide caster um but eels would soak that up so well um the mortals is a problem um especially as like the build they wouldn't do would... enough would they like well the... Uh, the builds we've seen they do so i've i played the tournament i played in i played against the iliatha build which i think is amazing in third with the interplay with command points and CP now, um, it's it's so good. And so he had two blocks of 20 Sentinels um, and was a one drop, got control of the turn. Um, and so both of those units cast their spells, so they're doing mortals on fives. And then because it's Ili Iliatha, both units get to stand and shoot. And so he's getting 38 shots, fives doing mortals. He just kills a whole unit of heals in one go, which was the issue. I was like, well, I have to charge you because otherwise you're just gonna shoot them off anyway. Um, and then I need to pin you. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go in with the heels. Then I'll also, who died, then I'll go in with the idol on and then get him close enough to pin you. Then I can go in with the turtle as well. And it was just like, okay, I'm just going to throw everything I can at you. You can only shoot off one thing. And so even if they die to mortals, okay, like you, they're not the thing doing the damage. Um, and they just basically help you really, really control the lists that don't have mortals. Like cities, Iron Drake's list, I don't, I don't think they have a chance um, against Deepkin with the eels. But the lists that have mortals, it's you're losing your units quicker. So when you hit them, you have to make it count more. But they still give you that ability. It's just a cheap trading unit. Like, don't get me wrong, you could do, you could do the same thing with like Ether Wings for for way less points that will die. But the problem there is that they don't they don't then charge block like the whole thing I explained before. If, if you're sitting outside of nine, if you try and do that with ether wings, then you, when you charge your idol on, you charge your turtle, mm. they can still shoot that because it's, it's not, um, it's just that you're blocking with 600 points essentially, but with the four units of, of Ishlan, um, that's a lot of points that you, you're defending your turtle, you're defending your idol on, you're defending those reavers. Cause I think, you know, for anyone who's just joining us late, the Reavers are just putting out a whole bunch of damage. And to be honest with you, most people, most players, unless you're, you know, you're smart and you know what you're, what you're coming across, most people would ignore the Reavers. Like you rarely saw them on the table. So you'd go Eels, Turtle, Eidolon. Yeah, I think the issue is like... And then it's too late. I've talked them up a bit too much. Everyone knows they're a threat. But it kind of doesn't matter too much because you can't, target them with shooting because i'm not letting you with how i'm literally just putting my army on the table 
So even though my opponent wants to get to them, I'm like, well, you can't shoot them. And then you get to control your opponent's movement with your own models in terms of placement. So it's not, your opponent normally just can't do anything about the Reavers until they've got through the eels and the turtle and the Eidolon because you throw them at them. Like you throw the eels at them, you throw the Eidolon at them, and then maybe you also throw the turtle in, but you don't want the turtle to die. So you don't chuck him straight in. But you kind of like, I'm not going to let you get to these Reavers until you go through everything else because the reavers die die to nothing and then that you lose so much output you lose your body you lose all this ability to project power as well because it's your range um but it, the issue is if you come up against zinch and their casters are still alive and magic it's mortal wounds and abilities that aren't shooting if your reavers get into range of that or the leviathan that's what hurts deepkin um and they're they're the sorts of things where you can suddenly be on the on the back foot. Like I played a game against Ash McEwen on, on TTS and he summoned a Lord of Change and then literally cast two spells. He cast Gateway and he cast Bolt of Zinch or something. Pink, Pink Storm. And oh, he did yeah. he did sixteen mortal wounds to my tail and took it off. And you're like, I I, I couldn't do anything about that. It I I wish they had to use magic on the closest unit as well, but that would probably be a bit too much. Then, then, then you'd just be, in, you know, uh, un, unbeatable. But, yeah, it more, ranged mortals that isn't a shooting attack is the issue. And that's why I'm not sure about the Stormcast Dragons yet, because that's still a shooting attack. It's ranged mortals, but it's still a shooting attack. So you can still control where they can put them. Um, so... I don't know yet. Obviously, I haven't played that matchup, but it's one I'm looking forward to playing because I think you're going to see a hell of a lot of dragons on the table. So, yeah, especially, yeah. especially like the storm. I, I, when I was reading the battle term initially, I was thinking, right, people are going to take one big dragon, maybe even two big dragons. Now you want to see the storm guard. You're going to you're going to see offensive eels in stormcast essentially, but nine wounds, three up armor save, mortal. They they have more mortal wounds than your shock, so. Uh, yeah. In the mirror, I think you're you're, you're going to lose in that one. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the list, like looking at it really quickly for me, I think will start would be like a Star Drake, a Knight Hero, and then like eight of the dragons. I think that's a two K list, and I think you'll see similar to that. Um, I think just the Star Drake as an option because I think the Rain of Star shooting attack is super good. But um, but yeah, getting back to Deepkin, the um, yeah, I was going to bring you around. I was going to say because Jonathan's asked, you know, like do thralls have a place? Yeah, we we kind of talked about thralls already. Like they're they're okay. Certainly, big blocks of thralls are still out of the question until they get a rewrite of either smaller base sizes, which are never going to happen, or uh, range two. You probably take your thralls at units of ten at most. Um, you don't. You're not going to reinforce them unless you're building in for redundancy and and you know to to make sure you get you know as many taxing as possible there's there's one list that i do still want to try with thralls in a 30 and it's taking a different enclave which is the morphan enclave which i don't think i've ever seen competitively i don't think i've but ever it, no one no one's ever that's like null myriad for ocr bone reapers no one's ever taken morphan so that one basically they can have a unit which you also never see a soul render who's a hero that basically has an ability in your battle shock phase and you pick a Namati unit, basically holding than 12 and you add D three models like slain models back into that unit. 
but more fan enclave whenever a soul render uses that ability you add three to the dice roll and so they're like 90 points for a soul render they're super cheap so and i've got three of them because i've got three star collecting boxes so you take you take three soul renders and you're rolling you're getting nine plus three d3 so minimum you're bringing back 12 models maximum you're bringing back 18 and so i think there's potentially you could build like a castle that is turtle 30 thralls in like a big semicircle around it like literally using that 15 inch aura from the turtle with reavers behind that and then all your heroes hollow within 12 of that bubble and you just push you just push up and if you lose because that way you can use all out defense on the thralls you're getting cover turn one you're in range of your turtles you've got plus two to save plus three to save. so you can basically ignore rend two and be on a four plus save and then you can obviously just use inspiring presence and if they kill 29 guys you put back at least 12 and so you go from having like nothing to half your unit back and i think and you still got all the reavers behind i think that list could work and thralls hit like a truck they are great like in terms of killing mega gargants thralls do 10 thralls is amazing like it's 21 attacks that in most lists get twos re-rolling ones by twos with rend and damage two against anything with four or more wounds and so like i say with rend against a mega even if they give it plus one save they're back to their four up they fail half of them 21 attacks twos re-rolling ones by twos you're getting like 18 through so if they fail nine armor saves which they should on four pluses they're taking 18 damage. Like it's half a mega gargant from 10 thralls. And, and they're so, not going to have the wizard. You're not going to have the magic to bring them back. Like, you know, you get, they can do a, a heal. And to be honest, their bravery as well is rubbish. So they're probably only 50% of the chance going to bring back D3 wounds anyway. So you, you pull it down in two turns or two combats. Yeah. And, um, and thralls, obviously Deepkin, you get to strike first in high tide, which in this list, few than flip tides would be in the second battle round, which could be really good. Um, otherwise, normally thir- in the third battle round. So, like, if people charge you and those thralls get to hit first, um, I think it's just that you could make them more survivable than people think. You need 30 wounds to have the wound sink to do it. But I don't know if there's a lot in the game that can blow through 30 wounds that's on a four-up ignoring Ren 2. So I think it could work. I genuinely do think it could work. Um, and you can still get a decent amount of stuff in the list around it um but that's that's a list i guess for another time but this i think i think the challenge is that when you're putting in you know the points i i, I don't know the price of what a, th- a unit of thrall is but if you're you know triple double reinforce it to unit of 30 again are you better just having eels and i think traditionally the answer has always just been the eels answer but um who knows maybe if you're in the comments and you're listening and you are using 30 thralls let us know and tell us how you're making the most but i haven't seen I haven't seen them on the table. I've seen 20 at most, but most people would just rather put in blocks of 10 and have multiple units of 10 as opposed to a block of 30. But this list is obviously one changed enclave. You've gone Futhan. You have kept um, uh, you've kept some you know some consistency. You are battle regiment still. You've still got your Eidolon Storm with the Tome and the Flaming Weapon. Uh, you've got Tidecaster though with Magic Ma- Master of Magic. You've got two units of Reavers instead instead of the one. You've got your Thralls. 
you've got a, a, a reinforced unit of Ishlan and you've still got the turtle. So differences, why would you go this one over the last list? Um, and what are you trying to achieve with this one that the last one couldn't? So th this one is, I think, the better one. And I think it's getting to as competitive as I think they can be. Um, the six, the reason for the six guard, like I say, it's double. It's got two reasons. One is to make it a one drop. Because if they were threes, you would have six units in that battle regiment. So you would have to be a two drop. Yeah. The second is now I one the one drop is preferable two because of cruel boys they can't take that screen off the table if it's reinforced and so I think it's super important because you want them on the front line you don't want them to just be able to take the screen off then go first then shoot your juicy stuff behind it with their um, crossbows so that's that's the reason for that um, the tide caster is in this list Futhan as the general because you're flipping the tides and so this is a enclave specific thing well it's not it's a tie caster specific thing they have to be the general for you to do this but what it lets you do is it basically changes the order of the deacon allegiance abilities so instead of getting cover run and charge run and shoot fight first retreat and charge retreat and shoot cover it basically you start on run and charge run and shoot then you fight first then you go to retreat and charge retreat and shoot then you go to cover then you go back to run and charge but then Futhan Enclave combines with that. So whenever you would be affected by the retreat and charge, you get affected by the run and charge, run and shoot. So you 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 lose the ability to ever retreat and charge, retreat and shoot, but you get three battle rounds of run and charge, run and shoot. And whenever you get that, you're also re-rolling ones for any like everything in the army. Ah. And so it, you've extended you've extended the re-roll piece. Yeah, and it's shooting and combat, which is why it's so important for the Reavers. So turn one, you can run and shoot, and you're re-rolling ones to hit. You can run and charge, you're re-rolling ones to hit. And then straight away you're going to turn two, and your whole army fights first. You're losing the re-roll ones, but your whole army's fighting first. And then turn, yeah. three, turn three, you're back to run and charge, run and shoot, re-rolling ones again. And then you've got the re-roll ones to wound in combat too for the mounts yeah and so yes, that yeah. so the mount attacks and this is the the like it's like i say both domhain and futhan give you reroll ones to hit reroll ones or reroll wounds but differently and so the leviadon is the big thing that you want to be rerolling. and so the reason i think futhan is better is because you in three out of five battle rounds you're getting to reroll ones to hit on it and it's got a decent shooting attack eight shots at 24 inch range threes and threes with rend like it's good it can plink off heroes or nearly um nearly kill them and then it goes in both its profiles hit on twos like and then one of them wounds on twos one of them wounds on threes but the eidolon's usually in range so basically both its profiles are twos and twos it's rerolling ones to hit on the first round when it's running and shooting, running and charging, and then mounts in Futhan always reroll ones to wound, and it's against anything, which is why I think it's, like, you don't get it on the shooting attacks, but it's why I think it's better than, like, Dom Hain, because you you get to reroll all wounds, which means it affects the shooting and stuff like that, which is nice, but it's only for Akelian units, and it's only against monsters in Dom Hain, whereas Futhan is just mounts re-roll ones to wound and so because your leviathan Levi is twos to wound 
three rolling ones. So it goes in with all its powerful attacks that are two three rolling ones, two three rolling ones. So the consistency is just like you can't get better than that. And the amazing thing is because it hits on twos and it wounds on twos and you can give yourself plus one to hit and the Eidolon gives it plus one to wound, even if you come up against someone that's trying to debuff you. So like I played Simon, he put out a block of 30 Dryads and was like, you're minus one to hit these Dryads and I've cast the minus one to wound spell. And I was like, great, I'm still twos and twos, you're rolling ones. And I just blew through them. And it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's super consistent. It gives the ish lane again the reroll ones to wound on their eel attacks. It makes the army a little bit slower to play with the ish lane because they've got three attack profiles. And annoyingly, in the few than you have to roll all three profiles separately because they all get different buffs. Um, yeah, like the riders don't get to reroll the ones to wound, so you have to do them separately to the the eel attacks. But then. The tail attacks are damage one, and the bite attack is damage D three. So you have to do three sets. Yeah, yeah I, was like, I was like playing with Gargan, so I thought like you know, this like it's numbers everywhere. I think what's what's really cool with um with Futhan as well is um you can go down the Alapex route as well because they've got that keyword of Ishlan, not Ishlan, sorry, Achillean. Um, so if you wanted, to, and it's probably one thing that has been glaringly missing from your lists. And I still think it's worth including in a list is the Alapexes. I think they're still really good. Um, the War Scroll rewrite in, in third edition, well, uh, uh, Broker Realms of Marathi makes them good still. Uh, maybe not in your build and what you're trying to achieve, but they synergize well. Yeah. The initial list I wrote had a shark in. The very first one I wrote and played competitively that was still a super strong list had a shark in. And I played it for a bit and it was just it was just the thing that wasn't amazing. And it was the it was basically the only flex in the list. It was take that out and I had an endless spell. Um, because you saw the first list was 1960, so it's going for a triumph. That list is 2000 on the nose, but there was some list where it's like maybe I don't take all the ish lane or you drop the shark out and then you can put something else in, put the emerald life swarm in, because life swarm is fantastic for Deepkin if you're taking those big blocks of Reavers. But more importantly, honestly, I think the turtle, because it has a two plus save with 16 wounds, but it doesn't have an after save. And it mm. so it, it hates more wounds. And you just want to, and it can't, it's not a hero, so it can't use heroic recovery. You, you can't heal it. Um, someone, I think, in the chat a while ago said that you could take a priest with um, the healing prayer, which is cool, but I would never do that because you only ever really have one priest in the list, which is Soul Scryer, and you're always taking curse because it, it's just by far and away the best option because the army need it doesn't have much mortal wound output and curse is basically your only access to mortal wounds to deal with the stuff that's got like two plus re-rolling one's armor saves you need you need mortal wound output so you just you just have to have curse in the list in my opinion um it's hard to so pull off though like I, like i'm still i'm still struggling to find a good consistent way to get curse off and i think you called it out earlier you know if you get double turned or if someone takes the turn and then you're able to get in different story but to be i'm trying to do it in my in my deep uh, my deep kin. i'm trying to do it in my daughter's army and try using it offensively and what i really need is like a bailwind vortex but for priests like that's what i really need like extend that range six inches and happy days i've got curse but yeah. it's it's super situational it doesn't work the way you think it's initially going to work you just find finding the unit that you want to curse within nine is is quite a challenge 
Yeah. See, now that is the thing I think they could have done to do something super unique and awesome with the deepkin terrain pieces because they're called etheric vortex terrain features. And I and they buff like your prayers and your priests. That is inbuilt into them. I think if the terrain piece increased your range or gave you bonuses to your prayer, like your prayer rolls for priests now instead of just the rituals, that would be awesome. And there would be like an amazing reason to take those boats. Like if they increased your range or you could do the prayers and target units next to boats, like channeling it through the ether sea, that would be an awesome opportunity for them to do something really cool with that terrain feature, which would be a really nice bonus. Um, like you can't even use spell portal, like spell portal can't extend the range. Bale wind when it used to be around, couldn't extend the range. Like there's literally no way to extend that nine inch. And I think the challenge as well is all your priests are quite slow. Like you don't have any super, super fast, durable priests. And I think it's works in some other armies. Certainly the ones that I'm playing with are struggling to, to get the consistency of curse, but it's nice yeah. to have. It's definitely a good threat. I think, I think deepkin are one of the armies where the curse is one of the easier ones to keep alive because of the anti-shooting it's just certain certain lists that like have the 18 inch range more always or whatever. if they're smart they go i'm going to kill that soul scryer if you put him in range but most of the time he's probably not within 18 um and what you're generally trying to do with these castle builds is actually you want to kind of stay back make people charge you you're unleashing hell with your reavers but you're also setting your soul scroll up so anything that charges you is coming within nine and so that was the issue with the archaeon matchup it doesn't work against it didn't work against archaeon because he made you reroll sixes now i think it would work against archaeon because it doesn't make you reroll yeah. sixes. so in that matchup my soul scroll was off the table so i didn't have the whole you came into me now i can curse you because i knew there was no point cursing him because i'd reroll my sixes so there was no point in that matchup, but in other people, I've done it. I literally did it against Cruel Boys the other day, put my idol on in front of my Soul Scryer, ran forward onto Mystical Terrain with the Soul Scryer, because Mystical Terrain is your friend for getting Curse off, because it gives you plus one to pray. So I ran forward, dumped the idol on in front of him, left a gap accidentally between two units of um, eels for the crocodile to charge straight through. So he took it charged my Eidolon, killed my Eidolon, which don't get me wrong, it hurts, but then was sitting within nine inches of my priest and hadn't touched my turtle and my reavers. Oh. I got my hero phase, cursed him, and then I shot him off. And I probably wouldn't have been able to do that otherwise. And so that's kind of how I've been finding the army plays. You want them to come into you. You've got your bubbles. You don't care if you lose some eels. Sometimes you sacrifice the Eidolon. It does hurt, but if it means you get cursed off on a key target, then that's what you do. Um, like I say, it's what you do against Gotrek. You let him charge you, and then you shoot him anyway. Then you try and curse him, and and then you take him out. Um, but and by the way, for anyone, for anyone's listening, the Archaeon story, the game was happening pre FAQ, so that that rerolling sixes has clearly changed. So that will now work in your favor should you try to do that. But just just as a reference, but um, Sebastian, we've already kind of mentioned about Gotrek. Um, there's there's some interesting builds a lot of trade-offs in deepkin if you wanted to do it in uh in deepkin you said the best one was iron for rack. The right, iron rack iron rack for the ability to give your allies the ability to to use your your, your tide so be able to, to to run and things like that um but otherwise it is a, a big point sink and players are getting smarter of how to get around and avoid um got trek yeah and it makes it still, still viable it makes the rest of the list worse as well doing that um 
and like I say, the, the consistency it's on that Leviadon in particular is is so important. I, I've had the games where I've not had the rerolls to hit and the rerolls to wound, and you just you're rolling two and four dice every single time you see a one and you can't reroll it. It hurts so much, um, and it's actually the thing that the Eidolon is the one piece in the army that doesn't work. It doesn't get the reroll ones because it's not its big attacks aren't mounts, so it doesn't work in Futhan, and it's not Arkelion, so it doesn't work in Domhain. And so, the, and the Eidolon, I swear to God, I roll so many ones to wound with that thing. It just it whiffs. It is the thing in the army that whiffs more than anything else. Which I think when I played Ben Spinetti, I think when I when I played Ben Spinetti last with his Eidolon, it, it was a massive whiff. And I was playing Gits, and I just laughed because I think it whiffed, and I had Nets as well, so it was like a double whiff. But um, I don't I don't remember it being a, a weapon powerhouse, which is probably why I asked you why you put flaming weapon with an arcane tome. But really, it's it's a nice to have. But you've mentioned uh, Mystic Shield is certainly the better one because I just haven't found that aspect of the storm as a big combat threat that you'd, you'd assume maybe it would be. No, it's really not. The job I see him filling in terms of killing is just killing off chaff, whatever units. He's there to just be an 18-inch plus to wound aura and to issue some command abilities, potentially to the Leviadon. Um, but then he, the thing he's great at is going and just hunting. Like in the Zinch matchup, he, unless they're playing duplicitous, he's the thing that keeps them honest. And they're like, oh, I've used all my screens to take your charge. Now I haven't got any of my heroes behind because he just retreats and charges. And any hero that's got eight or less wounds within three at the start of the combat phase, he can give himself plus one to hit against them naturally. And so he goes in and he's like twos and twos, five attacks, rend two, damage three, retreating and charge. He will kill, he will kill those wizards and those heroes. And that's his job is going and killing those support foot characters behind the lines and still giving his plus one to wound aura. Um, so that that's what you want to use him for. Turn one, your, your initial charge, you're never getting into them, and he just sits in there, goes into stuff that he can deal with, like kill off a chaff unit or something, to give the auras and get him close. And then turn three, turn two, turn three, it's the right now. I'm going to come after you unless you've got something that can deal with him. Um, but otherwise, he just dies. If you put him into stuff that you're like, oh, I need to kill this, he doesn't, and then he dies, and then your army loses a lot of power because you lose plus one to wound to shoot on your reavers you lose plus one to wound for everything in combat like it's big maybe some last questions and we'll kind of bring it home first one the real question i think this is probably one of my favorite questions i've ever been asked at least at least in a deepkin show if not this year is are they mer elves or are they melfs melfs mm -hmm. i like that word melfs yeah, yeah, I, I was Mel, Melfs, Mel, Mel, yeah, Mouths, Mouths, Mouths. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mouths. I would go with that one. Mer, mer elves, but but I I still just like the Ben Stiller. <laughs> I still just like the Ben Stiller thing. Merman, Merman. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any good ally choices? Like, um, and and you know, um, uh, Jonathan, you need to rewatch the show. We talked about sharks. Sharks are good. They, they I think. They're still, they're still viable, um, I think, in, in the what Chris is trying to achieve. Maybe not so much. But if I was building a list from the ground up, um, definitely definitely worth considering. I wouldn't I would not put them on the table. I think maybe a couple of things that I wouldn't put on the table right now is still poor old Lotan, uh, little old Squid Man. Squid, oh, you think there's some, some magic with Squid, squid Man? Reroll one to hit. 
Reroll ones to hit in a 12-inch bubble on um, on okay. Namati. He's what goes in the Morphan list because you don't get rerolls otherwise. You stick low. Which nobody's in. running. We're we're not running Morphan. I'm going to do it. No one's doing it. All right. I'm going to run it. Prove it's all right. Take all right, it the next GT. Then, I, like, um, from I, took Lotan, I took Lotan in the tournament I went to. Oh, I literally well, I took Lotan to a 4-1, only lost to RK on Slayers to Darkness with Lotan. Right. He's FAQ. Good. He's 75 points. He yeah, he's good. always been a joke. He's always been a joke with Oki and that. But like, okay, there's some good use still with he's still and maybe maybe because the value of a re-roll, right? Like in second edition, there was re-roll ones everywhere. Now that you know re-rolls are being stripped from the game, um, having a, a, a re-roll is now valuable. So okay, all right, it's, it's something worth considering. I think the challenge that I'm finding a lot of my list is because things went up in points. Um, you just can't put in everything in your 2K list. It's almost like I want to go back to Warhammer Fantasy when lists were all 2,250 or 2,500, which, again, defeats the purpose of what we're doing and we, we'll be taking one whole day to play a game. Yeah. Um, in terms of allies, Ether Wings, yes. they're, they're still a good option. I don't take them myself. Even, even with the points going up? Because they're now 65 points at time a of recording. 100% no now. And the reason for that is even at 45, tree revs. Tree revenants are fantastic allies for Deacon. 80 points for a unit that can teleport anywhere on the board nine away every single turn with no restrictions. Amazing. They're, they're so cheap. The one thing that Deacon doesn't have is a teleport. They've got come on from the board edge once. They do not have the ability to teleport. So tree revs for 80 points that you can keep teleporting around. They work really just as well if you need to block shooting. Like if you don't want to use a, lunar, a unit of Ishlane to massive overshooting that you know will blow through a unit of Ishlane, put 80 points of tree revs as the closest unit. They have to shoot them. Literally, why would even you if go, Why wouldn't you go Shadow Warriors? Not Shadow Warriors, um, Shadow Stalkers, the Daughters of Cain one, because for what, an extra 20 or 30-odd points, you would get more wounds, you would get the minus one to be hit in shooting or in combat. Sorry, it's minus one to hit, and you still get the teleporting around the table. Unlike the Canary and the Shadow Shadow Warriors, the points and for the role they're filling, you just you're spending more points on a unit that you basically are going to throw away, or you just want to teleport to grab something. You do not care about the resilience in that unit. It is just what can you get on the board for as little points as possible that teleports every turn. Tree revs. They are they are fantastic. I took two units of them in the tournament. They were great. They are the vice. That mission. Oh my god! You just put your two units of tree revs on the back corner where the objectives are. The, the rest of your army goes off. If your opponent walks for, if your opponent walks forward, because most people go cool. I've scored them. I want to run off them turn one because they're going to move here. If your opponent walks forward, you take them. So you force your opponent to often have to commit more than you're committing points wise to hold their objectives. Otherwise, you take them off. In that turn, I literally had to tell my opponent, turn one, do you want to just move back? Because he ran forward, and I went, if you don't move back right now, you have just lost the game because I will teleport my true revs and take that. So, And I, I told him, you're going to lose right now. Move them back because I, I genuinely don't want to win like that, turn one. But you, yeah. you just you have to think about it um, because they, they can do it, and they're fantastic. They are a genuine, really good ally choice, and you lose that if you take Gotrek as well because he fills all your ally points so that's the another downside to putting him in um most lists i've been putting five true revs in other than obviously the list i just sent there because i 
proper min maxed it exactly where i could find the points to to get to tree revs are great tree revs are so good the way pipes what about durable heroes what about something like uh celestine prime that's now gotten a four up board save the frost heart phoenix do you would they be an ally consideration or i guess the challenge is that where does that 300 odd points come from like are you dropping the eidolon are you dropping the turtle where those points come from it's yeah whenever you're talking to that kind of ally it's what are you losing you've i've uh, i found that i've only really got about that 120 150 kind of points that i'm usually playing with because otherwise i'm like oh i don't have as many units of Ishlane as i'd like um i might consider the prime now that he's got a four up ward and he's not just going to disappear give me some mortal wound output and the ren three will be nice um just yeah. to help me deal with some of that high armor um i might i might look back and consider him he's he's an okay option um frost heart phoenix as well not a bad shout him running around with the turtle helping that survive with the minus one to wound aura it gives you the second monster which i said i think would be really nice for the list points wise it might fit in it's a bit cheaper than two leviathons i hadn't really thought about it to be honest because the deepkin have got weird they've still got the old allies table i think so i don't think they have cities of sigma and i haven't no. actually i'm looking at it now unless it's been updated it's the darkling covens it's the yeah. daughters of cain eldritch council order serpentus scourge privateers shadow blades oh so you can't no, oh eldritch so council? Don't think, no no so i don't think you can no. take the frost heart phoenix uh, Unless it's been changed in, um, in obviously in FAQ, but I'm looking at the battle time, and that's that's you can do Wanderers, you can do Sylvaneth, you can do Stormcast. Mm. So you could do the Stormcast stuff, but yeah, maybe not the. Maybe, oh, someone someone's telling me that you can you can ally them now, cities okay. with an elf tag. Okay, cool. That's was, been updated. Thinking, Great. That would make sense. About, I was thinking about cities allies the other day because I had I was like, oh, can I put a battle mage in? Because yeah. if I put a, a Gur Battle Mage in, the Gur? Be, yeah, the Gur Battle Mage is so good. Because with Uthan turn one, run and charge, plus two to run, plus two to charge, it'd just be amazing on stuff. But then I looked at the Allies table, and obviously I, I was like, I have a feeling they updated this with GHB, but I didn't have my book with me. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure um, yeah. if, if, if he can. But obviously he's not an elf, so you can't obviously ally him in but yeah the frost heart phoenix actually might be a shout the the good thing is i have both the painted frost heart and both the painted prime and they're some of my nicer painted models so i could try both immediately and let you know but um cool yeah and then, you know if you find yourself in a game where you'd really need more monsters or if you're finding you just don't have enough hero hammer for in the meta that you're currently playing and you know we are on the cusp of Stormcast and Cruel Boys coming in, and we don't know how that's going to shake up the meta. I think Cruel Boys, for example, is going to keep some of these monster heavies armies honest, and you may not find them at the top table. So there might be more in the middle tables, or you might find them, you know, much lower. So uh, maybe not much lower, but like they're going to keep them honest, and I think it might change the trajectory of Suns, you know, anything that's very heavily relying on monsters. Uh, Soul Blight is another example. They're probably going to, you know, it's a bad matchup for them. Mm. Yeah, but I think really what we're saying is like the game is in a really good place right now where there's so many, like even all the old armies, I think they they play really well. You've seen Gargans really come into their own. I think they were definitely designed for third now, having seen third and how they play and how strong they are. Um, 
but loads of the old books fit really well. Um, I think Nurgle's really good, although that's probably going to be one of the early ones to change. Soulblight's great. Like, I think competitively yeah. in the in the majors, every every army has gone four and one at least once, um, and it's including Gits. Gits has gone four and one. Like, literally everyone has gone four and one. So we are in a weird I, meta right now. It's kind of settling, and you know, give this a couple of months, and then we can kind of see what you're building towards. But um, yeah. I think you've got a lot of great options to build something that's viable competitively and season to taste. If you love your your combat eels, cool. You do you. Take some of the theory Chris is talking about, put it into your list. If you prefer, I don't know, double turtles. If you've if you're like me who's an idiot and wants to go out and buy four turtles, put bandanas on them and then run them on the table, go do it. Uh Rob Rob Kern's done it. He did it at Sydney Slaughter again, I did, right? I, did it. I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that. And I think yeah. I never could. But uh shout out to Rob Kearns then. What a legend. Yeah, the four turtles I think is legit. I think the, I don't know. I think you lose a little bit around it, but they're they're really good. Like I, if I could just have one done and painted, I I would 100% run a, a double turtle list to try it out. Um, the issue for me is I'm getting towards the end of painting everything I have, which is a lot of stuff, and I'm like I keep writing different lists that is like oh, but then I'd have to buy this and then paint it, and I kind of just want to move on so that I can start painting my next army and just play with everything. Um, but yeah, I, I, the Biodon's great. I think two turtles is two turtles is probably the sweet spot. I think, but you, you, they are good. You could definitely take more than than two, no. and, and still not have a terrible game. I mean, I was even trying to make a joke about you, like, yeah, Lotan's trash. You're like, no, he's Lotan trash. Cool, Lotan is not trash. Sounds like most things are pretty viable right now. Chris, you are on the internet. You are wounded mortally on Twitter because you're weird and you can't get the proper podcast name. You, you are on Mortally Wounded there's Podcast. One, there's, one, there's a bloke out there that apparently made a tweet 10 years ago, made one tweet and doesn't use Twitter anymore, but he took the hashtag. He took the Twitter name, so I can't have it. But yes. But if people want to talk more about you, more, more to you, clearly you can go to Twitter. You've got, um, you're very active there. Wounded Mortally, I'll put the description stuff below and people can tweet you. Any any shout outs or any, obviously listen to the podcast. You've got a great podcast. Uh, need to put out more episodes, you and James. Uh, yeah, we've been talking those numbers. recently. We're going we're gonna to get a, a couple recorded soon, I think. Um, we might even be doing a Halloween spooktacular so I'll let you I'll let you think what that might be about. Um, but yeah, we'll try and get some more guests on and stuff. But yeah, we're, we're definitely going to record more. So yeah, I'll shout out James. He's he's the hobbyist of the two of us. He puts out amazing stuff. He's always learning new techniques, and his Soulblight army is looking amazing right now. He's posting loads of pictures of zombies and and stuff. So I'm hoping he's going to start smashing it on the tables as well soon because zombies are super good. So, I haven't seen uh, the zombies yet. I think people have been talking a lot about zombies, but no one has – I've not seen a list with like a competitive – like a really competitive, well-performed list with the big block of zombies. Everyone seems to be going uh, Grave and Blood Knights and – So it's – I think it's it's Anzo, Sam Thompson. He he was playing Kerr in the final round at Toowoomba Open, so went 4-1. He came – fourth or fifth i think um just because there was a draw for two and three on the podium um but he's he's running 60 to 80 zombies um he's doing super well with soul blight really good um so yeah he, he's doing really well with zombies um i think i think they did well over in the us recently but um they're they're really good um but yeah i'll, I'll shout out Corey as well um he's 
where we've been playing games now. I think we've we've got finally the dream of a regular weekly games night, um, which may well become two or three. Um, so we're we're playing. That's how I've been practicing against Cruel Boys and learning all their dirty tricks recently um, and stuff. So yeah, I'll shout out Corey as well. All right, big big love to to the Queenslanders and James as well. But you go go check out Molly Wooner podcast. Go check them out. They are they do good stuff. Uh, and we've obviously been friends for a long time since Age of Sigma really kicked off in 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 the Sydney community, and then Chris betrayed us and jumped uh, over the border. But Chris, it's always been a pleasure having you on the channel. Thank you for your insights. You all know the, the drill by now. Like, subscribe, hashtag best episode ever. Give Chris some love. Um, and let me know how you are building your deep kin. Um, is Chris wrong? Is Thrall blocks really good? Is is it the meta of the aspect of the sea? Like, is there some type of, I don't know, list? I want someone to prove me right. Like, like, like Someone prove me wrong with the aspect of the sea. Someone do it, please. It won't be me. <laughs> All right. Well, someone proved me wrong. Put it in the chat. Until next time, I don't know. Don't forget your triumph. I keep forgetting my triumph, but don't you forget it. All right. Bye. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigma conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more fixes.